Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Jura, and we're going to break uh, ground in two different ways tonight. The first is we're going to have a Yankees fan on, which I believe we've never done here on the history of the podcast. And not only are we going to break ground that way, but I don't believe we've ever had a female. Actually, I stand corrected. We did have Tanya Mercado on five years ago, our second female guest, so close to being a, uh, a record-breaking night in that regard. But I'm very pleased to be joined tonight by uh, a, a fellow blogger uh, from Subway Squawkers. That's Lisa Swan. Lisa, welcome. Uh, welcome, and thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, thanks for having me, and I feel like I'm in good company because Tanya's great. She's, uh, she's oh, awesome fabulous. As, as you, well you're as aware of her. In the Met room. Yes. And yes, I've, I've been, I believe uh, she she's... interviewed me a few years ago, too. I, I believe she's uh, working for WINS now and uh, is still writes a little bit about sports, but I think she's uh, a news producer and, and doing quite well for herself. But anyway, uh, let's let's uh, shift the focus away from Tanya and on to you where it belongs. Um, in case anyone out there is unfamiliar with Subway Squawkers, um, tell us about the concept and, and how it got started. Okay, yes. Uh, we got started in 2006. Uh, John Lewin and myself, uh, we both worked for the New York Daily News at the time, and we were we were thinking there was just just when even be, before the really the whole blog universe happened. The first year we didn't even uh, do it in blog software; we just did did it in con- content management software. Uh, but the idea of it was to have a, a Yankee fan and a Met fan argue back and forth. Uh, we used to have these arguments at work about our teams. And so we decided to take the banner and put it in the blog. And we thought we'd be the, we knew we'd be the first on this, but we thought, oh, there's going to be lots of other people doing this, Yankees and Mets. And as far as I know, this is uh, going on 12 years now in, uh, at, at the end of February, and we're still the only one. So whatever that's worth. Well, 12 years in, in the blogosphere is definitely something to be proud of. Uh, I think that uh, Mets 360 started in 2010, so you've got a good four years on me, and I feel like, uh, I feel like an old man. I feel like I've been doing this forever. So th- that's, that's really an impressive feat. But um, um, one of the things that, that I'm interested in, in discussing with you tonight is, is just some of the, the differences, some of the challenges that, that you have that, that maybe I don't have. And, and I want to know, what do you think are, are some of the challenges and some of the, the advantages, I guess, uh, of being a female sports fan here in late 2017? Oh, well, there, there, uh, there are a bunch of them. Uh, first of all, men generally don't get asked, did you ever play the game? And and I, I any woman gets that a lot. And and I'm thinking, you know, well, you know, unless you're a professional ball player, uh, well, you, you being in fifth grade gym class, right fielder, what does that matter? 
<laughs> we both have about the same experience on the professional level. And, and, and the irony is, is I, I have a, a several major league play, former major league players on Facebook, and I've I talked baseball with them, and not one of them has ever said, "Did you ever play the game?" And they actually did. So, so that, that's one of the things women get, and that men don't. Uh, the the other thing, the main thing, and every single woman gets it, no matter what, is is uh, comments on your physical appearance. And it's, uh, I wrote a few years ago about Derek Jeter, something that, that as a Yankee fan, I thought the retirement tour was ridiculous. And so I got, you know, I got all these people, he's all about respect and you fat, blah, 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 the curse words or whatever. And that's what I got. You're fat, you're ugly, you're this, you're that. And then so I'm not saying men in the, in the sports blogging world don't get on their looks, but it's usually the outliers. Well, that, that that you have to be something striking in your look for a guy to really get it. A woman gets it no matter what. I mean, Kate Upton gets – she gets people calling her fat. <laughs> so if you have any connection in the sports world – so think about that for a second. People say, oh, Kate Upton's ugly because she's engaged to Justin Verlander and they root against him. So that that's one of the things that's just kind of – there are several of the things that are kind of infuriating. Now, you, you talked about the, the you never played the game card that gets thrown out there or you never played at the professional level. And I immediately think about uh, ESPN broadcaster Jessica Mendoza, who uh, I'm not sure of all of her credentials, but I believe she won a gold medal uh, uh, playing softball. And even she's not exactly. immune uh, from, from those. And it, it's, just, it's just utterly ridiculous. And, and, and I've seen people do it. Um, I had a, a, a roommate who was really into sports, and it, he didn't trust any any woman who who appreciated sports anywhere close to him, and he'd start like testing them immediately. And then it's just like, dude, relax. So I I, I don't know, and and it, it's not just ignorant people who do it. And, and my my old roommate certainly you would never call him ignorant. It's, it's just sexist, I guess. Yes, it's funny because that's another thing that that women get all the time. We get quizzed on things, and I'm I'm pretty good at trivia. So not only in sports, but just trivia in general. So it's just like, yeah, go ahead, test me. <laughs> so and and uh, so, but yeah, that that that's something that that men generally don't get. But uh, you you it's a positive as well as negative. The positive thing, you kind of stand out. And and there's some people who do appreciate it, and it, it's just it's, it's and I would say the the thing as a woman is, and I don't want to generalize here, but I I think I have better sense of things with personalities, and just where you see things that that maybe men don't always pick up on, and different stuff the the clubhouse dramas and 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 different things like that, the conflicts and all, and uh, I mean I I was I was saying to my, my boss uh, about Joe Girardi and and we were talking and I was like you know they, it doesn't seem and this is before he, he got the heave ho but I, I was saying it just seems really weird after that terrible game and, and the players don't really seem to be backing him up and and uh, and sure enough now it's uh, the, that's one of the reasons they got rid of him because uh, the they um, they didn't seem like he had a good relationship with the players, so I, I think that sometimes women can kind of pick up on those things better than men can. Now you mentioned conflict, and and I want to transition into something that that um, certainly is a, a hot 
topic issue right now, and, and we see it not just in sports, but we see it in, in Hollywood, and, and we see it in politics, and, and, and that's uh, some domestic violence. And uh, you, we certainly hear about that a lot more now than we did, say, 10 or 20 years ago. And uh, speaking as a Met fan, I know that uh, the team had to deal with that when they brought back Jose Reyes. And, you know, as looking at it just through my own perspective, you know, I know it made me pause when, when the Mets first brought him back. You know, it's like, do we want this and, and all of the, the issues that it's going to bring around. But they really, since he came back, there were no new reported incidents instances of it and and i guess i just quickly forgot about it and i guess what i want to ask you is does domestic violence stay with with you you personally longer or or do you treat it like any other crime well it's funny you should say that because we met familia last year uh and and we thought he was great and and he was very personable and he we interviewed him and he spoke english and uh because they had they had an interpreter there and uh and 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 uh, but he just spoke with us in English and and was very friendly. And then when we heard the domestic violence charges, it's like, oh no, he seemed like such a good guy. But I guess it was settled. But I, I guess the main thing is, is 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 and and I'm going to take a contrary opinion here, and I'll I'll tick off animal lovers too. Is <laughs> I'm, I'm tying this into Michael Vick. Uh, it, it is that to me the thing is, did the person get? Is there some sort of justice? did they get some sort of punishment? And once they do that, then it's kind of, I kind of move on in my mind for the most part. And I'm one of the contrary people who once, I, I, I said this with Michael Piccolo, he went to jail. He actually suffered consequences for this. So uh, after that, then they had a right to earn his living. And and I fell away with the ball players too. And then that's the thing. I have a, I have a male friend who can't stand her oldest Chapman. And I'm, I'm like, well, he served his time, and, uh, and nothing else. And like you said, nothing else has happened. So, um, at, at a certain point, I, I there's, a, I, it, it's something I, I don't want to say move past, but you, you always kind of think about it a little bit sometimes with these guys. But I, I feel that's just a not like, well, this happened, but, uh, and and he's guilty, but nothing ever happened. Okay. Well, you know, this is a, a Mets blog, so we got to talk about the Mets a little bit. And uh, I want to talk about the, their new manager, uh, Mickey Calloway, who they just recently hired. And, of course, he was the pitching coach uh, with the uh, Cleveland Indians prior to joining the Mets. And I want to know, as, uh, as an AL fan, do you have any insight for us about uh, Mickey Calloway and what we might expect? Just um, he seems to be that uh, I I've seen heard something that Francona had him with with within the press conference in the playoffs and with, had him front and center so he definitely seems like the up and coming. Um, I, when I first heard about him, I I I thought it was a bold choice, but I I, I yeah I used to work with New York Daily News, so I was just thinking. Okay, what are the headlines going to be? And and uh, you know, is it going to be Mickey Mouse or they're going to be puns about Callaway golf? And someone else brought up, uh, oh Mickey, you're so fine. So I'm <laughs> thinking along those lines as well. So I mean, we're we're going to hear all the all these silly things. That's that's way the tabloids work. But uh, but yeah, I I think that's kind of the trend now of the uh, it's. It, they, he just seems like definitely they're going younger, and he seems a polar opposite to Terry Collins. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. 
And certainly with your you many know, as, pitchers, it's good to have a pitching coach, a former pitching coach. So, And and that's pretty much the way the, that I felt about it. The, the, talking to the guest right before he was hired, and, and even though he wasn't really considered to be the front runner, I, I had pegged him as somebody who I was rooting for, for just for that very reason. You figure that he did such a good job with the Cleveland's pitching staff, and, and maybe he can have some of that same luck with our staff. But let me talk about his press conference for a little bit because you were talking about, you know, what would the headlines be? How would uh, the headline writers uh, go after it? But it, it almost seemed to me like he diffused that in in his introductory press conference. He was so personable and was uh, told everyone he was named after Mickey Mantle, which I'm, I'm going to guess is true, <laughs> but uh, certainly that's, you know, there, there's not much better way in New York City to, to get people to like you to say, hey, I'm named after, you know, one of the biggest stars ever, Mickey Mantle. So, I mean, it, it seems like he's uh, media savvy on top of uh, other things as well. Yes, well, that, that, that's that's pretty much a job requirement with New York. And, and the flip side of that is Joe Girardi, where it, it, it's I, – I don't think it was an accident that the first interview he gave was to The Athletic, which is not a New York publication. Uh, the, the media never really warmed up to, Tor, uh, to Girardi and vice versa. They, and I have Tori in my mind because they were so close with Tori. I, I think they gave him a standing ovation in his uh, farewell press conference. But, yeah, I mean – it seems like Callaway seems pretty smooth on that, and so that that's uh, that's an important thing in New York because uh, although the media they always say the media is dying, but it's certainly in, in New York you, you have got to have more coverage than anywhere else in the country. So it's important to be able to diffuse uh, a crises. I'd, I'd like to take a, a slight detour here. You, you've mentioned Joe Girardi, and. Um, he had great success with the Marlins. I believe he was uh, manager of the year, and then they they canned him. And it seemed like he had very good success with the Yankees, and, and they canned him. Do you, do you think that he just doesn't play well with others, or do you think that there's something beyond that in that uh, um, the, that his, uh, the, the owners don't feel comfortable with him? No, I think it's, it's totally different situations. I, I, certainly – uh, he had. I, I I just think it was time, and, and with the Yankees, it's been a decade, and and you think about it, and that that's how the expectations have lowered. The fact that that Joe Torre by two thousand, it's been seven years since the World Series title, and people were like, okay, enough. Uh, and they, of course, it was the biggest payroll and everything. And and certainly, the, I know the Yankees are technically no longer the biggest payroll, but I mean, he had one ring in the second ring and second year and, and hasn't done anything since. And it's just kind of, I, it just seemed like they wanted some, a different voice because it, it's a new team now. And uh, it, I, I mean, I, I think Girardi did a good job. I was at the point of, uh, I wanted after the, the game two against Cleveland, I, I wanted him out, but then I thought, well, I don't know. <laughs> Let's see what happens. It wasn't that big a deal to me either way. But now, once I once I got rid of him, I, I definitely think it was the right move. And uh, he'll end up somewhere. I, I I I don't think it's an accident that they they made sure the Yankees made sure to get rid of him after the uh, after the Mets and uh, the Boston had already made their hires. Oh, by the way, I just remembered something. Didn't Mickey Callaway's brother be named Casey after Casey Stengel? That was the story that was told there. Absolutely, yes. Now, the the Yankees' managerial position, uh, certainly one of the, the most glamorous job in, in all of sports, 
and we we heard a a, a rather interesting, I thought at least, uh, uh, guy throw his hat into the ring for that, and that's ex Met Carlos Beltran. Can you see him getting the gig? And uh, do you have a personal fate front runner for the job? I don't have a front runner for the job. I'm I uh, as longtime readers of my blog know I'm not a big Cashman fan. Far from it, but. I think he made the right decision with Girardi, and I do appreciate he's taking his time and and looking into this and not not doing anything just like oh we got to find somebody, and uh, so, um, you know I I'm not the thing is with Bel Beltran I mean I could see someday but goodness he he just retired he doesn't have he he doesn't have any experience to have the you know to have a job a major league team that just seems the new york yankees i mean come on this is i mean i i, I can't imagine anybody and then and then you know anybody on the yankees i could say well uh, uh, just right away hey let's make him the manager and i know people talked about a rod but uh it just seems like you have to have some coaching experience and not just being a mentor. She's Lisa, and I'm Brian, and you're listening to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. We're talking about both the Mets and the Yankees tonight, and we're talking about the Yankees, and, and let's continue that for just a little bit. You know, the, the Mets uh, were in discussion about how we're probably not going to have uh, the same level of, of payroll, at least from the opening day uh, point of view as we did in 2017. And I want to know, do you expect the Yankees to spend a lot of money this off season and go over the luxury tax threshold? I don't expect them this year. I, I do expect them next year. Isn't it, I think it's the next year with, with the, like Harper and all these other glamour names uh, coming out. So that that's what I, I think that's the plan. And I mean, certainly it's just, everything is all kind of, with with them having this this uh, the the uh, what Pat Riley calls the innocent climb this season that nobody expected them to get within a game of the World Series. So, but even even with that, I I just don't think they're going to go spend a lot of money uh, this off season. That doesn't seem to be the plan. Uh, they they're going to stick with the with the current plan now. I think. Well, it certainly helps when you have the the young stars that they do. Uh, thinking specifically of uh, uh, Judge and, and Sanchez and being able to uh, pay them uh, essentially minimum wage. So that's uh, that's a nice thing to keep under the luxury tax threshold. Right, exactly. And Severino is not making very much. And so, and yeah, I mean, maybe they'll get another pitcher or something, but I just don't see that they're going to go crazy this year. All right, well, um, let's uh, see if we can tie the two teams together. Uh, back at the, the trade deadline this past season, the Mets were looking to, to move some of their impending free agents, and there was rumors that the, the Yankees were interested in a couple of their players, I seem to recall. Uh, Addison Reed and, and Lucas Duda at least drawing some interest from the Yankees. But uh, it seemed like uh, Sandy Alderson was dead set against making a, a, a trade uh, uh, to, the, to the hated Yankees. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Does it make sense to you? Yeah, I think if they don't want it to backfire, who, who's the guy? Oh, Jay Bruce. That that was the one where apparently the Yankees right, offered right. more than yes. 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 And, not, and then, not, and then not he haunted, Bruce. You're correct. Yes. Then they and then he haunted uh, the the, the Yan, you know, he just he haunted the Yankees for most of the playoffs. So 
So, yeah, I mean, it's one of these things. I I think Boston and the Yankees, I think the only trade they made in in, uh, since the rivalry really got uh, heated again 20 years ago, I think it was uh, getting Stephen Drew, who was awful for the Yankees. But and the (laughs) Yankees and Mets, they've they've had a number of. I think it's the thing. It's like when the rivalry isn't that hot that you can have more, maybe have a trade. But I, I, I think right now it's just one of these things that like. If if the player does well, then I mean, look look how much the Mets have been burned with uh, Murphy and and uh, uh, Justin Turner doing well, and and Mets fans are rolling their eyes like, hey, we had these guys, what you know, why didn't we keep them? So imagine if it's across town, that would not be fun. It would well, be fun for the Yankees, uh, but not for the Mets. <laughs> yeah, I, I see your point, but I don't see why having somebody star for the Indians is preferable to having them star for the Yankees. I mean, if they're not on your team, why, why do you care? And, and yeah. to me, the, the, the added advantage is, you know, we're going to play the Yankees either four or six times a year and that's it. So, and then certainly by the time they made these trades, uh, I don't think that uh, that was a big factor, but um I think they should take the best deal possible. And, and rumor has it that the Yankees offered more for, for Bruce than the Indians did. And, and not like the Mets got a whole lot from, from the Indians. And I just think you're shooting yourself in the foot. If you all of a sudden start uh, eliminating possibilities. Well, that's a good point. But it doesn't, it definitely is a uh, limit your options. All right, well, we've reached the point in the show where we do our crazy predictions. Uh, each week, uh, both me and the guest give a crazy prediction. I'll start off, I'll give you mine, and then I'll ask you to comment on it, whether or not you think it's crazy, and then I'll ask you to give me your crazy prediction. You, are you ready? Sure. All right, mine is that the, the Mets catchers, specifically Travis Darno and, and Kevin Ploiecki, are going to end up in 2018 as one of the top three most productive productive catching uh, groups in in the National League, as as measured by OPS, um, how crazy is that? I don't think that's that crazy. No, I think that's that's definitely possible. Here you go. Week after week, I make I make what I feel are crazy predictions, and the guest almost never agrees with me, and none of my predictions <laughs> ever come true. So I, I expect now that, that I've went out and said it, that they're going to fall flat on their face in 2018. All right, you shot down mine. What's your crazy prediction? Um, well, I think the crazy prediction is that uh, it, it's, it's that we can't predict who the new Yankees manager is going to be. I, I think it's going to be somebody that we maybe haven't even thought of or heard of and being on the radar. So I, I, I just, I, I think Cashman is, uh, one thing he's good at is, is coming up with surprises. So I, that that's my crazy prediction that, that maybe none of the names we've heard are going to be the one who's going to be the next manager. All right. Now I've got a, a, a crazy thing to kind of piggyback on your idea. What do you think about Dusty Baker for the Yankees? Uh, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm tired of the retreads and, and certainly, I mean, the the whole point is they want somebody who's going to get him through the postseason. I, I just don't see that. So, no, 
I would. I. 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 I just want somebody new. And and one of the things that that's bugged me for years with the Yankees is they seem that like it's like the Yankee way, and they they never if they just stick with the same old, same old. And I. I. I'd love to see some new blood and new ideas occasionally. This is one of my gripes that like I, we were saying this several years ago. Like, why don't they go find the best uh, the best GM type in in uh, St. Louis or San Francisco? go where they seem like they know what they're doing and, and sign them with the Yankees. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know what it is lately, but they've definitely the last few years they've, they've, uh, done much better in the draft, but, but I mean, it'd been, it'd been over a decade for two decades for a top of the line starter. And the last position player was, uh, Brett Gardner. So now, now it's finally, uh, finally looking better, but anyhow, from from I'm not a Yankee fan, obviously, but it seems like that perhaps the disadvantage of being the Yankees fan is that you don't get to get the bright upstart in either the managerial or perhaps not even the GM chair. Um, that I can't imagine the Yankees making a Mickey Callaway type of hire. Um, you know, it sounds like almost like that's what you were campaigning for, but I just don't see that. Uh, they're, they're almost like backed in the corner from doing that. And and I wonder if at some point that catches up to them. No, I, I disagree. I think this is a chance to, to have somebody new and because it's, it's the younger guys and, and uh, they just try something. Uh, I, I think Cashman wants to put his own stamp on these things. And he, he does, I, I, I think wants to be modern on these, what they're doing now. And so I just, I just don't see it's going to be some retread. I, I think 2007 was a different deal. It was basically, it was Manningly. It, is it going to be Manningly or Girardi? And Manningly was, was Tory Jr. And they really didn't need his voice then. Um, and, and I didn't want Manningly because he was a Yankee legend and that they could never fire him. That's why I would never want Derek Jeter as a manager. I'm not the, I guess that's the point is moot because he owns the Marlins, but it just, I, I, never wanted something where it's some legend that they could never fire. So, but I, I just think it's a lot has changed in the, in the, in the, in the past decade. And, and I, I, that's what I really think it's going to be somebody we, we haven't figured out yet. All right. Uh, quick one, just a, a yes or no answer from you. Do you think that Don Mattingly will ever manage the Yankees? I hope not. <laughs> I still <don't> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, we'll take that I, as a completely honest know. answer. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I loved him as a player, but I, that's, uh, that's that's yeah. It's it's hard to believe now. I mean, it, especially since it's been Jeter, Jeter, Jeter the last few years. But yeah, twenty years ago, Manningly was the most popular Yankee in my lifetime, and uh, of, of, of that I saw play. I mean. And so it, it, I think that that's faded a bit, but it still would be uh, still be too difficult. All right. Well, uh, continuing talking about the Yankees, one of the things that that struck me so much uh, in in the few times that I saw them play this year was how good the back end of that bullpen was, especially after they made the trade for Robertson. But Chapman and Betances and Warren and Robertson, you know, that, that's. I don't know, somewhere around 35, maybe even $40 million that they're, they're tying up in the bullpen. And, and do you think that that's feasible to keep together? I, 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 you 
that's a good question. I'm not really sure. And especially, I mean, Batantis has been kind of shaky, and uh, I, I could see him be moved uh, or something different because he's they obviously don't have tr- um, trust in him anymore. And then what's the guy's name? Uh, and uh, I never had to pronounce it. Tommy Conley or well, the, the one they got with Robertson. That was important when they got him back, and I'm I'm, I'm having a brain cramp here. Oh, the guy with but, the K, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but um, but I I think this is kind of they're they're sticking with that. I I I think that that's more likely than them spending a lot of money on a starter right now. And so, I mean, it it definitely it, it gives them an advantage nobody else does. It's funny because when Mariano Rivera was was with the Yankees, I I felt he was the most irreplaceable Yankee and he was so key to he was underrated I I felt for a long time as as being part of the four rings. But uh, or then you know of ultimately five rings. But I'm talking about with the dynasty years. But the irony is he, he's been, he's been the easiest to replace. Whatever it is with Cashman, whatever whatever, and I think he has a lot of flaws. But he he's had a great eye for for bullpen arms. And when, once Joe Torre was was gone and and wasn't ruining guys' arms because he was notorious <laughs> for you know I mean the Scott Proctor is the most infamous one. But but what once once they had uh, Girardi who actually managed the ar- the bullpen arms fairly well, uh, they, they've definitely that's been a strength for a long time. All right. Well, we only have about a minute left. Though. Let's see if we can bang out one more question here. I want to talk about the the Subway Series and and your views on it. Do you think that it, it's good for the game, or do you think it's time to ditch that along with the rest of interleague play? No, I think it's great, and people always have interest. And I, I want it the uh, my my favorite Subway Series way is to have it with a the a weekend series and three games, and then you know and have it maybe a few weeks apart or a month apart or whatever. That that's my optimum way to do it. And so you could do a May June or whatever. But uh, I we went to a Subway Series game this year. It's still exciting. I, I mean, it's 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 and certainly. I mean, the, when the Mets are good and the Yankees are good, it's obviously more exciting. But there's always some drama every year. Well, we are all out of time. I'd like to thank uh, my guest tonight, Lisa Swan from Subway Squawkers, for coming by and and joining us tonight. I hope you had fun. I did. This was great. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Well, thank you, and uh, we will be back again uh, next week, next Wednesday night at 11 uh, p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Please join us then, and uh, until then, uh, good night and goodbye.